Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 5 through 9 is where we are this morning. And uh, Colossians 3, 22 through chapter 4 and verse 1 is a parallel passage uh, to this passage. And just want to say uh, that by, by way of, of introduction, uh, Paul has been speaking to certain people groups uh, in the church. Uh, he has spoken to wives. He's spoken to husbands. He's spoken to children, although we did not really delve into that. Maybe uh, I should have, but uh, uh, nonetheless, he speaks to fathers, parents, and now he speaks concerning masters and slaves who were in the church because he lists them here. Uh, so they were members in the church uh, even back then. And uh, they were believers in Christ, as we'll see later on. But uh, we're still looking at the issue of walking worthily of the calling, what it means to walk in wisdom, what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and the evidence of that that we see in our lives that the Spirit really is alive and active in us. Uh, uh, There must be evidence. There will be more evidence than some. It will be gradual sometimes, but there is an evidence of life because we've been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're here this morning. Why? Because you want to be here. You want to hear God's word. You want to be with other believers. And uh, I know that. And, and, and that's why I'm here. And uh, so let's keep that in mind as well. Uh, and and uh, help us to uh, pour out our hearts to God. And, and uh, as we hear this, to repent where we're falling short. Because we all need to grow, do we not? I need to grow. And, uh, but what is the uh, emphasis in this passage? And uh, let's read this passage together because I want to note some things of interest uh, as we look through these. Uh, and so beginning in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 6. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your hearts as to Christ, not by way of eye service or men-pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them, and give up uh, threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. In other words, masters, you're not better than your servants. You're not better than your, uh, uh, than your slaves. And I would say husbands this morning, fathers, you're not better than your family. Uh, even though you may be the head of the home, uh, it doesn't uh, make you better. No, there's no partiality with God. Uh, there's uh, whether you're free or whether you're a slave, uh, you're loved the same way by God. He adores you and he is 
pleased with you because he is pleased with Jesus and you're in Jesus. And so let us not forget that. But in this passage, uh, we see Paul's emphasis, and that's what I want to talk about really to begin with. The emphasis is not on the transformation of society, although he's concerned about that, but on the transformation of people. Okay? He is interested in changed hearts. He is interested in people coming to know Christ. And uh, uh, Paul does not call here for the uh, abolition of slavery, but the transformation of people. You know, at this time in Rome, uh, uh, the Roman Empire, there were 60 million slaves. Imagine, 60 million slaves. And of course, they had conquered all these nations. And what did they do? They brought back with them the learned, those who were doctors, those who could be of use and so forth. And so slaves are not necessarily stupid, ignorant laborers. They were very intelligent people. And we see even in Scripture, Joseph and Daniel were taken away and used greatly where they were. But So Paul's concern here is not for the transformation of society so much as the transformation of the person itself. And he doesn't call here for the abolition. Uh, he neither condemns it nor does he condone it either. Uh, but he condemns cruelty and abuse of authority. You know, why didn't Paul tell the owners of slaves uh, to free them? You know, he's, why didn't he say, okay, everyone listening to my voice, you have slaves, free them. And there's, of course, there's been many thoughts concerning this, and I think it's because of emphasis. What Paul was emphasizing, it's because... Uh, Christianity and the church's message is the transformation of the heart. It's the transformation of the heart. And what, when the heart is transformed, then society is transformed. And uh, I think this is what Paul is, is driving at here. And it's a heart change. And society changes through the gospel of Christ coming into the heart the love of Christ being poured into us. Uh, The church's job is reaching people for Christ. Okay, It's not politics, although that's important. Uh, It's not other things. Uh, They are important. Making more laws, that's important. No, it's change heart. Change hearts, change society. This is Paul's, what he's emphasizing here. the changing of society will not transform individuals. Uh, It just will not. Why? Because you must be transformed from the inside out, not from the outside in. The way to save this country is not from the top down, even though Trump does many wonderful things. It will not be saved by the top man. It's going to be saved by starting at the bottom, in the hearts of man, if you will, and a great revival coming. This nation is blessed, not because of great leaders who are more intelligent. No, it's because of God. 
And you go back and study, and you'll find that that's true. It's because God was involved in the, in the lives of people. So to make more gun laws, take away all the guns, will not stop people from killing people. Why? Because they have a bad heart. It's a heart problem, see. Uh, they have a fallen heart. And they'll use whatever means it takes. And so you don't change society uh, by making more laws. That does not change hearts. And we have to remember that. And uh, now, um, the freeing of slaves in this country, of course, was a good thing. But you know, that still didn't solve the problem of racial hatred. That still continues today. And when I say racial hatred, that's the term that's used, but there's really only one human race. That's all peoples. Uh, and, and, and again, there's no difference. There's no greater, lesser, better. They're, they're all of God's children, whether you're a pygmy or a giant. You're made in the image of God. And so let us not forget that. And by the way, we're all slaves. Have you ever thought of that? Everybody here is a slave. I, say, I don't like that. Well, I'm sorry. You're either a slave of sin or you're a slave of Christ. You're one of the two. And uh, you can't be both. Uh, but we're slaves of Christ. He is our master. He is, he is our Lord. Why? Because we've had a heart change. And we're no longer slaves of sin. And by the way... Uh, What is our weaponry? Well, it's interesting. Next week we're going to look in that, being, ar- being armed, the whole armor of God. But what, is our, what are the weapons of our warfare? In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5, and Janine says you've got to quote the verse because people won't know where you're quoting from. And so I'm going to try to do a better job at that. And... and uh, uh, you know, that's what a wife is good for because she can tell you what you're doing wrong so you can improve. And it's, and it's hard to take it sometimes and go, ooh, I didn't need to hear that. Ooh, another knife, you know. No, it's love. Love is telling other people uh, what they need to hear. And that's what I'm doing this morning to you. I'm giving you what uh, my interpretation of what I think Paul is trying to tell us. And it's up to you to not to accept it, reject it, or throw it in the trash can or hide it in your heart. And uh, so he says here, uh, Paul does, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. And how do they do it? Guns, knives, not that those things are bad because you need to defend yourself. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's spiritual strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So our weapons are not as the world knows. Our weapons are from God, the whole armor of God that we're going to begin looking at uh, next week. The second emphasis I think Paul is saying here. It's changing, uh, it's not on changing one's lot, but persevering in one's lot. 
to the glory of God. Uh, in any circumstance that we find ourselves. Uh, Paul doesn't tell slaves here, uh, okay, Paul, uh, uh, he doesn't say here, uh, all right, slaves, rebel, uh, run away from your masters. Uh, Matter of fact, if you have to, kill them so you can get away or whatever. No, he doesn't say that. Because they're where they are, right or wrong, they're there. And... uh, so what would, should we do? Now, because we, we have to take this over because none of us are slaves in the, and have masters like this, although we are employees and employers, and I'm, I'm going to parallel that in just a minute. But uh, whatever circumstance you find yourself, what does Paul say we should be? Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be what? Content. Whatever the circumstances, wherever I find myself, right or wrong, he was thrown into prison, wasn't he? Wrongly. But Paul didn't say, I'm going to pull a kung fu uh, move on this uh, guard here and overthrow him. And uh, now God let him out of jail sometimes, but it wasn't Paul's doing. God did it. But he didn't say, all right, I'm going to get out of here, hook or crook, whatever it takes. No, he was content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content, we see that word again, in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him. And that's the emphasis, through him who gives me strength. And because uh, Paul was wrongfully in prison, and, uh, which was really an atrocity. But, and so was slavery. It was an atrocity. But uh, Paul accepts his imprisonment and doesn't break out and doesn't tell these slaves to do uh, the same, even though it was an atrocity. What does he tell them to do? Uh, in Philippians 1, 12 through 14, now I want you to, Philippians 1, 12 through 14, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, can we say that uh, about what is in our lives? Uh, that God is using us uh, uh, in whatever circumstance and have, to advance the gospel? As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Whoa. Big, huh? For Christ. By the way, it's all about Christ. Have I ever said that before? Okay, I just checking. And because of my change, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident. In other words, how he, how Paul responded to his situation. You see, sisters and brothers have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. There was a purpose behind. What happened to Paul? And there is a purpose behind everything that happens in your life. Even though in this life you may not understand that. He was put in prison for a purpose. And, uh, and so, wherever God has planted you, accept it. Whether rich, poor, uh, a master, a slave, uh, an employer, or an employee. Uh, do the Be the best. So, Paul says to slaves, be the best slaves, even though slavery is evil. 
And Paul, would I think, would say that. Make the best of the role and accept it that God has given you. And by the way, your identity is not the role you've been given in this life. Have you ever thought about that? That's not your identity? Uh, Because you won't have a bad husband forever. If you say, I've got a bad husband, and you won't have that bad husband or wife. You won't have that forever. But you're to be content now in that situation. Uh, in this life. Uh, You may have a bad boss. You see. You may have someone who is very difficult uh, uh, to sit under. But how well have you played the role God has given to you? Now don't misunderstand me. Sometimes you have to break things off. And and, and so I'm not going to go into that. But sometimes it has to be done. And I understand that. But You may be poor, you may be discriminated against or whatever. You are to make the best of your circumstances. And you know what? The world's going to be watching that, how you react. Oh, he's no different. She's no different from from me. Look how they handle that. Matter of fact, I think I'm not even a believer and I handle it better. And that's what you're preaching to them. By your life, you're preaching that to them. And so you can say all this stuff to them and they don't see it. You may know it up here. You may know the, the Romans road uh, to heaven, or we, as we call it, the Romans map to heaven from the book of Romans, but, and not know Christ. The, the third emphasis here is not on your personal rights, but on, a, on your personal responsibilities. And this kind of ties in with the other one. Uh, again, in Paul's day, the workforce was primarily slaves. Teachers, doctors, uh, builders, uh, and leaders. And uh, so I think we can go over now into this day and time and apply this to employer, employee, bosses, workers, labor, management. Uh, For Paul to tell masters, though, back then who had slaves, to treat their slaves fairly was kind of unheard of. Because the master would say, wait a minute now. You know, I own this person. And I can do with this person whatever I want because that person is mine. I have paid for that person. And uh, I can do as I I wish. Is that correct? Absolutely not. In Colossians chapter 4 verse 1, masters, okay, provide your slaves with what is just or right. And fair, because you know that you also have a capital M master in heaven that you will stand before one day and give an account to. And so, see, Paul is not, he's not out trying to change society, he's trying to change hearts. And once your heart is changed, then you're going to do the right thing. And uh, there will be actual uh, reconciliation. but anyway, we, we're the employers always to look upon their employees as having rights and treating them fairly and just. Uh, they have that right to be treated fairly. And the master has rights to expect from the employee a good day's work. And it should be the heart of an employee 
not to say, well, you know, I'm going to work just hard enough so he'll break even. No, his heart ought to be, I'm going to work so I can make him money. He's employed me. I'm not here just to see that he breaks even, but I'm going to do my best job and make him as much money as I can, no matter what I get. You see, that's really giving love. That's love giving. And uh, so this flows over into every area of our life. So Paul is telling both master and employee to focus on their responsibility, not their right. Not their right. You know, husband and wives. Well, I'm the leader of the home, and it's my right for my wife to submit. No, that's not what we learned when we were going through the husband and wife. He is to love his wife whether she submits or not. This is what Paul is teaching here. And uh, you don't make your wives submit. My, but it's my rights. It's my rights. It's my rights. No, it's what can I do for the other person. Think about that in your own life. Uh, are you always talking about your rights or the rights of others and pleasing others? Uh, now, that's the duty of slaves. Now, first of all, the duties of the slaves are, in our context, employees uh, or anyone who has a job to uh, where they're sitting under the authority of someone else. Uh, in verse 5 of Ephesians 6 here, the command is to obey your earthly bosses. And the manner in which you're to obey, I want to mention four things. And first of all, our work is to be done respectfully. That's found in verse 5 where it says, with fear and trembling, respectfully. It means to show respect so that it is visible to all that's around you. In other words, you're not going around, around bad-mouthing your boss to everybody. That's not showing respect. Matter of fact, it's interesting, in the early church, uh, the slave might be an elder in the church and yet have a master. There were instances like that. How do I know? Well, uh, Tradition, uh, mainly, and in, in, in some of these are very strong uh, traditions based on, of course, not inspired scripture, but other writings uh, and so forth that other men wrote. Uh, but sometimes those roles were reversed in the church. Philemon and Onesimus, we know, in the book of Philemon, remember Paul says, Onesimus, your slave, and by the way, he doesn't say Ones- uh, he doesn't say Philemon free him, but he says receive him back as a brother. And tradition has it that actually Onesimus the slave became the elder or the pastor in that church. And uh, so, just because you were a slave did not mean that you did not have status or importance uh, in, uh, uh, in, your, in particularly in the church. So in the church, there's neither bond nor free because in the church, what? We're all one in Christ. And, and uh, we're to show respect. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 2. Those who have believing masters should not show them disrespect just because they are fellow believers. Instead, they should serve them even better 
because their masters are dear to them as fellow believers and are devoted to the welfare of their slaves. Interesting, isn't it? How Paul puts this. What is he interested in? Changing the heart. If you change the heart, then it's going to affect society. And uh, also, secondly, our work is to, in the workplace is to be done sincerely. That's in verse 5. With a sincere heart, Paul says. In other words, where you're not going through, just through the motion, uh, but your heart must be in the work. And it's so easy, isn't it, just to go through the motions in your workplace and your heart not be in it? Kind of a humdrum. Uh, you know, after all, I've been putting on uh, nuts on uh, wheels in the factory here on cars for 35 years, putting on lug nuts. And another car comes, put on lug nuts. You know, that would become, after a while, humdrum a little bit, you think? And yet Paul is saying what? Do the best job every time. Don't just slack off. Uh, Don't do it just because of a paycheck. No, do it sincerely from a heart uh, through uh, a heart that's in the work. And then thirdly, verse 6, conscientiously, not as eye service or men pleasers. Not just because the boss is watching uh, uh, because there is one who sees everything. And you may not be rewarded on this earth, but there's one in heaven who sees your heart as you're working. You may not ever get a raise and deserve it, but there's one in heaven that will one day reward you for your faithfulness in the workplace. This is what Paul is saying here. Fourthly, it must be pleasantly done. With a good will, verse, says, verse 7 says. With a good will. That means with affectionate enthusiasm, eagerness, and zeal. Oh, how can you put on lug nuts in a factory with, with uh, affection, eagerness, and zeal? Well, because you can. Because God has changed your heart. And your heart is in the work that you're doing. Kind of convicting, isn't it? Uh, it is for me. Because I could get up here and preach. And if my heart's in it, you know, I could just kind of... Uh, no, I'm to do it with all my heart, with all my zeal, with all my might. This is the word of God. And, but so is everything that we do in life. By the way, in life, there's no difference between the secular and the sacred. You don't have a secular job over here, and I'm a, I'm a pastor, I have a sacred job. No, to God, all things are sacred. You realize that? Whether you eat, drink, or whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. And that's putting lug nuts on tires in a, in a factory. Amazing, isn't it? It, it really changes your uh, whole outlook of, 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 of life. And you to do it pleasantly, he says. You know, not moaning and groaning, uh, stomping. I remember my, my mother uh, said, take out the garbage. Oh, Mom, not now. Uh, yeah, now. Oh, I don't want to now, Mama. Uh, I, I'm watching this show on TV. Can I at least finish now? 
Okay, and so you grab the garbage can, you kind of bounce it out the back door, and you take it out there and you dump it in, stomping your feet the whole way. See, that's not doing it from the heart. And even children can be doing things from the heart. Yeah, Dad, yeah, Mom, I want to please you because pleasing you pleases God. Oh, you might say, that's just a little thing. God does it. Yes, He does. He does notice the little things that we do. And uh, it's, that, it's that important. And um, so what is the motive? That was the manner. What is the motive behind this? Uh, what is the fuel to keep us going? Whoa. You know, it's so easy. It's right here. Matter of fact, it's here, I think, four times. What motivates us as Christians in the workplace? Is it the promise of a raise or the hope of a raise? I'm going to do it so I can get more money. Uh, is it the praise of men, a pat on the back? Good job. Good job. Keep it up, which an employer should do, by the way, if they are doing a good job. But we, do we do it for that? No. It's real in- interesting here. It's very easy. It's Christ-centered. That's all it is. It's Christ-centered. Verse 5, as you would, uh, uh, as unto the Lord, as unto the Lord, Paul says. You do this as unto the Lord. You're working for Christ. Submitting to your employer is submitting to Christ. Verse 6, you're slaves of Christ. It says you serve Christ, doing the will of God. Every believer, every believer is doing the will of God. Changing tires or whatever it happens to be. And of course this verse that I quoted earlier, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Even the little things like eating and drinking. And But whatever. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many. You know, you're not doing it for the pat on the back. You're doing it for the good of many. Even your boss, you want him to prosper. Uh, That's your heart's desire. So that they may be saved. When they see your work, your hard work, your diligence, and your affection, and your love for, they're going to say, there's something different about this person. Yep, it's that important. As unto the Lord, not unto the men, verse 7, Paul says. No matter how boring it is. And then he continues with this Christ-centered motivation in verse 8. Even when you don't get uh, noticed by the boss, you're doing it for your heavenly Father who rewards you openly. And so this is an encouragement for us because one day, one day, we will be rewarded. How do I know that? What does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15, 58? Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. And that's whatever you do now. That's not just talking about as a pastor or whatever. Because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whether you're a doctor, you're doing it for the Lord. Whatever you are, do it 
as unto the Lord. Do it as though you're doing it for Christ. Why? Because you are doing it for Christ. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. Whether you're a teacher or whatever you do, do the, be the best at it. And uh, he will one day reward you openly. And then Paul briefly here addresses the masters or managers, bosses, uh, the manner in which they're to treat employees. Uh, he says in verse 9, doesn't he? I think he's talking about here, implement the golden rule. Do the same to them. Uh, do you want respect? Then show uh, uh, your employees respect. Do you want them to be sincere? Then you be sincere. Do you want them to be pleasant? Then you be pleasant. Do you want them to be conscientious? You be conscientious is what he's saying. All these things apply again. Be a model of these things. In other words, don't be a grumpy old Ebenezer Scrooge. There's nothing worse than a boss who is a grumpy Ebenezer Scrooge. And... uh, But don't be unpleasant and then expect them to be pleasant. Do you want them to promote your welfare? Then promote theirs. Pay them a fair salary. Matter of fact, go overboard, even if it means you're making less. This is what Paul is talking. In other words, it's a heart, isn't it, of giving. It's a heart of others. It's not about me. Oh, so I can have a bigger boat. And there are a lot of people that do that. I'm going you know, to cut back here so I can have a bigger boat. If I can just cut back here, I'll make another 20000 this year so I can have more. And, but now, they may suffer, but you know, that's just the plight of being an employee. That's not what Paul is teaching here. It's just the opposite of that. And I have to speak about my brother who has, I think, 10 or I don't know how many employees, but he pays them a good wage, and they produce for him. And they're glad to have it. And God has blessed him in that. It's not how little can I give them, but how much can I bless them because whether I get blessed or not. And, of course, God has blessed him. And, uh, but there's a real lesson there for all of us. Do you want them to show an interest in your business? Then show an interest in their lives. And he does. He sits down and talks with them and witnesses to them and uh, uh, takes, you know, their their problems they're going through. He even deals with that. And so, wow, you know, because employees are not machines. They have souls. They have families. They have feelings. And uh, so don't deal unjustly with them. Uh, Now, the second thing, Uh, that Paul says to bosses or employers is that they are to cultivate a positive atmosphere in the workplace. Paul says in verse 9, stop threatening them. Stop threatening them. Don't ridicule them publicly. A lot of bosses will do that. They'll come and chew out an employee right in front of everyone else instead of taking them off in private. So that's not, Paul says don't do that. Don't be overbearing and riding them all the time. The motive, what is the motive once again? What is the motive? Christ. Christ. He says here, knowing 
that their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Wow. So bosses and employees answer to the same authority, Christ himself. And we're all one in Christ. Lastly, just as a few final thoughts, last thoughts. uh, How are you playing the role God has given you? How are you living up to the role God has given you? Here's one verse. I, I just love this verse. Philippians 1.21. Paul says it's so easy, so clear, and it just kind of whams you when you hear it. For me to live is what? Christ. And to die is gain. It's all about Christ. It's all about Him. A relationship with Him. Everything in life is about Christ. Christ enhances our lives. He produces excellent excellency in our life. He is the one that we need to turn to. He elevates our lives. Everything to Him is sacred. And He encourages us even when we have bad bosses because we know that our labor will not be in vain in the Lord. We're doing it for the glory of God. Think about that as you serve him. Who am I doing it for? Who am I doing it for? For to me, to live is Christ. All about Christ. You know, if you get that in your heart, it'll change your life. It'll change your attitude about others, your employees, or your boss who you don't like. And I won't ask for a show of hands because I know some of you do and have in the past, if not now. Uh, So may God give us all grace as his children uh, to be all that we can be, as the saying goes, in Christ. Let's pray. Father, this morning, uh, your word is convicting. Uh, Lord, because we know uh, as uh, whether we're uh, employees or employers, that, Lord, our attitude so often has been so bad. Uh, whether we've been teaching, whether we uh, have been, whatever whatever role you've given us, Lord, forgive us. But, Lord, help our attitude to change and that we might see Christ, that all of life is about Christ and glorifying him. Lord, we need your help. We need your power. Help us to believe the word. Believe the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.